What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We are back after a week away, actually, you know, quite weak. Um, but we're back, me and Keith, uh, here to discuss all things college football. My mate, not had a pod together for a little while. How have you been? I'm good, mate. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while now. I did one with Kieran a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm surviving. It's a long <laughs> season, mate. I'd say it's a long season. It, it, it is. draws it is. your soul <laughs> um, like, a, like a sacrificial person at a slaughter. You're waiting for that <laughs> knife to go in. But yeah, no, um, the end yeah, without, is in sight. <laughs> without getting too dark, yeah, we've got a couple, yeah. of, couple, of, uh, <laughs> couple of regular season games to go. And then we're obviously into championships yeah. and bowls. And then the college football season, then draft season, which will obviously start for us a little bit early with our draft guide on the way and things like that. So yeah, no, plenty to discuss today. There's lots of lots of big games that have gone on, lots of big results. And like I say, we're getting towards the, the business end of the season now, which will which we'll be discussing a little bit. Um, so where should we start? Should we start with um, with the earliest game on our kind of sheet here? Do you want to talk about North Carolina and Pitt? We had obviously a QB duel. Here. Yeah. Yeah, no, this was this was built, isn't it? Uh, healthy Pickett. Um, to be mm. fair, it's my first real look at Kenny Pickett this season, a proper deep dive on him. And um, first of all, what a game it was. <sighs> At first... Yeah, it was. first the first quarter and a half, Kenny Pickett looked amazing, and I was I was thinking, oh Jesus, I've got him wrong, I've got him so wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, those previous three years, throw it out the window. Everyone's right, Pickett is a god. Um, and then the second half brought him back to the level that I think we know he is. Um, to be fair to the Tar Heels, they had a fantastic defensive turnaround in the second half. Um, They've really, really shut Pitt down because Pitt could move the ball at will in that first half. And it look, it, honestly, it looked lopsided. Sam Howell looked distraught. He, yeah. he looked, he looks like a broken man. Someone carrying the weight of not just North Carolina, the whole world on his shoulders. He looked, I felt so sorry for him. Uh, that offensive line that I only praised the week before was abysmal. Um, that, yeah, it was. It was a shocking first half. It was the classic game of two halves, mate. It's game of mm. two halves. Um, and then I don't know what they injected into Sam Howe at halftime, but he really should be tested um, because it was, <laughs> I mean, he he never had time to, to, if you're watching from a purely mechanics draft perspective, this is not the game to watch a Sam Howe because he was harassed all the time. He was just improvising, trying to survive and he was making plays. Um, but from a NFL draft thing, you can't, that's, that's not, um, that's not happening on a Sunday. That uh, that's yeah. just that was just guts and determination in leading your team. And that's I mean that's a massive box to tick because not every quarterback has that in their locker. And that, that really did impress me. Whereas you could say the opposite for Kenny Pickett, where when it, things weren't going smoothly and suddenly things weren't easy for him, the, the improvisation wasn't there. And I think that's what we've always known, right? That's what I feel we know with Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett yeah, is that. that. That's just where we are, and I don't know why this. I don't know. It's a campaign, right? It's like a bloody presidential campaign to get him <laughs> to QB one, and I don't. I'm not on it. I'm not on it at all. Um, but as a game itself, it was incredible, and I felt really, really sorry for Sam Howell because just as their overtime possession begins, this monsoon opens up, um, and he has no chance. The ball's yeah. slipping around. No one can run properly, and he just thought. Uh, yeah, I just felt that he felt the gods are saying, no, mate, <laughs> I don't care what you do, you are screwed. And I just, yeah, I felt really sorry for him. Um, but yeah, as a game, my God, it was, it, yeah, it had a little bit of everything. And like I said, a massive game of two halves with a twist at the end where the bad guys, I feel, won this in a way. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll go along with that. I, it, like you say, you know, Pit, apart from the overtime, if you count that the second half, were completely scoreless, and mm. you know, like you say, allowed UNC just to chip away and you know and get that level by the by you know by the end of the game and regulation. 
and I know what you mean. Like Sam Howell, just you know, to kind of talk about both quarterbacks, but we'll start off with Sam Howell. The fact that you say he he kind of looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders is because you know, apart from Josh Downs and mm. Ty Chandler to a degree, he hasn't got much help, has he? You know, especially when you look at <laughs> in comparison to last year. You know, they had a great season last year. They sat out five and five, and you know, Pitt are probably that team that North Carolina were expected to be at the start of the season, and. You know, he's just not getting much help. And, you know, he he went ahead and did it all, or tried to do it all himself, almost against Wake Forest, you know, with the mm. pass and the run. Obviously, had, like, well over 100 yards. Like you say, the line didn't do him any favours, and he's got 28 yards and a touchdown. You know, he's, he's not able to really move the ball with his feet, which, you know, it's become a real big part of his game this year. Yeah. Yeah, they, they missed the two running backs. Uh, I mean, mm. I built up the Ty Chandler last week. was amazing. Um mm. We didn't we didn't see that again this week. He's been inconsistent uh, though, hasn't he? He's been yeah. really inconsistent. Yeah, I've, I've never seen that high end that we saw the week before. That really amazed me. That's what I wrote about him. He's like, wow, this is that was unexpected. Um, yeah. Again, I feel yeah. as though we've reverted back to type a little bit this week. Uh, yeah, he has no help. Um, he is carrying that team. Like I said, Josh Downs will be a decent receiver, um, but not not is not Deami Brown or Des Newsom. They were. They were prolific. The two running backs were great last year. They're just, yeah, they're just an average side, and, and he's carrying them and and failing to a degree, which is a you know a real shame. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's one of those, isn't it, where he, yeah, he's he's just not had the help, and it's just kind of there's been too much expectation almost. I think where you know people were kind of seeing him as QB one and things like that. I know that I, I mean yeah. we've got a few people on our team that. Are, still pretty high on him and I'm, I'm kind of one of those people but it's just difficult to evaluate him because you know like I say he's got no help in some games some games he's getting inconsistent help from his running back sometimes he's getting inconsistent line play in front of him it's just a tough job it's just a really really tough job you probably have to take the the what you saw last year and what you're getting this year and think of something in the middle as to yeah. what Sam Howe is as a yeah. player and in a weak quarterback group I still think there's probably a first round player there but yeah, no, I'd I'm go not for that. sure I'd be happy if I took you in the first round. It's one, it's one of them, isn't it? And obviously, we can throw Pickett into this discussion as well and kind of bring him into yeah. the conversation. It, it's one of those, isn't it, where if you're sat here and your NFL team's got a quarterback, you're glad because you don't want to be <laughs> yeah. picking one this year. You know, if you're if you're down there as like Detroit or the Texans or you know any of the any of the teams about yeah. aging quarterbacks like the Steelers who kind of think, well, we should like you know take one and you know hopefully it'll be the next guy. This is not the class to do it. There's so many guys who you think, you know, there's a couple of good, good upside guys, of course, but there's no one who's kind of like complete. And in other classes, like these guys who are in this class would have been like favourite sleepers and kind of also rounds and things like that. So the fact that these guys have been pushed up and that's why I want to bring Kenny Pickett into it. I kind of obviously wrote about this obviously last month and I just feel like he's been pushed forward like in this presidential kind of campaign because there's this vacuum, there's this void to fill because yeah. there's no one filling it. Spencer Rattler obviously went off early in the season and, and went off the radar, I mean. And now we need someone to fill it. It was Matt Corral for a little bit. Obviously, he's gone, got injured and you know, he's kind of faded to touch, although he you know, played well this week. Pickett's obviously been on fire. He's come from a long way back and wants to be kind of thrust into this is you know real rarefied air of the draft. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to pick him. I would not want to pick him. He's going to lose some guys a job, I think. Uh, yeah. He's he's what we think he is. I think he's a mid-round. I mean, yeah. what? I, I wouldn't pick him on day two. Oh wow! Okay. I don't think I would. I think I'd rather take a chance on a on some of a bit of a higher ceiling. Um, yeah, that's that's just me personally. I've only seen one game in depth. I mean, I know he has improved from what we. I think what we saw last year. Yeah, but it's a what four year start of you. Yeah, I don't know how much bit you're going. This is get. this is year five of Kenny Pickett, you know. Is it? Yeah, I, I think you. Yeah, if you want to take that in the first round, that's not, <laughs> that's not a clever uh, franchise move. I don't think so. And I'm not high. At, I don't really like any of them. Um, Matt Corral, I think. <laughs> I think Matt Corral should be the QB one at the moment. Uh, just just because he hasn't ballsed up massively yet. Um, yeah. Which is yeah. The, you know, the biggest detraction we had from him was his interceptions. He's he's toned that down. He, he's not making so many stupid plays. And he's leading a, a good team to a good record at the moment as well. I don't think that could be underestimated. Um, 
but yeah, with Ratner falling by the wayside, I'm not I'm not there on Malik Willis. He's, there's too much scariness there, the inconsistencies. <laughs> uh, but I would rather take him if you're telling me you have him Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett in the first round. I'm taking Malik Willis every day and hoping that I can get what I think he can become. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no. I completely Mr. agree. Mr. Average. Yeah. I would completely agree. It's all it's all it's going to be about upside this this draft class, which could hurt people like Sam Howell because yeah. the upside is potentially limited. So, you know, for me, you're looking at Corral and you're looking at Willis because they both got the highest upside. They might not be the yeah. best product right now. You know, maybe Sam Howell is a better quarterback right now from, as, you know, compared to both of those. But, you know, when you're swinging from the fences, you need to take the ceiling, don't you, rather than the that's the thing in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got an example later on. We'll discuss this a little bit later on, but I've got a, a sort of, I'll give you a, uh, a proposition of who you take in a late round situation. And I know what the NFL would do, and it's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's horribly, horribly wrong. I'm from mm. a team that drafted CJ Befford in the third round. They should have been, <laughs> all been executed for that move. Do you know what I mean? Is, that's, that, that's Befford equals Pickett in my book, that kind of level of player. And the third round was too rich for him. Ian Book, another one. No right game where they do. And mm. I, yeah, I think Pickett's probably a little bit better than those two. But do you know what I mean? That's what. That's where this I is the company that he's keeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. yeah, no, I see that. And, and you know, we'll, we'll, <laughs> and I, I mean, you know, it's on the on the lips of everyone, isn't it? The quarterback class and things like that. Usually, for, you know, for different reasons than usual. Yeah. But I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later on down the line. Um, you know, when we come to talk about yeah. players and positions and drafts and things like that. But, you know, let's move on yeah. to our next game. I'm, I'm going to take this one. I'm going to uh, stay in what is my home conference, so to speak, and talk about Oregon and Washington State. Well, you know, this one was a pretty typical Pac-12 game, really. Had a lot of back and forward, had a lot of mistakes mm. <laughs> and a lot of uh, plays that, like, you just scratch your head at. But also a lot of playmaking as well. And I think that's what Oregon kind of bring to this, to this, uh, this season. You know, and they are managing to walk the tightrope of what is the Pac-12. You know, there's that nine and one should be ten and zero. You know, because of the yeah. Pac-12 refs against Stanford. I'm still bitter about it. <laughs> yeah, <I can laughs> I'm still tell. bitter about it. Um, I mention it all the time. But you know, there's a lot of respect I think that should be given, um, and it isn't because you know it's not fashionable to talk about mm. the Pac-12. But there should be a lot of respect given for for teams who are nine and one in, at this late stage of the season with a couple of regular season games to go. You know, and they're going to hopefully hang on to their college football playoff, uh, you know, ranking. You know, at least I think, you know, we'll come on to the Big Ten teams a bit later on. But you know, if they can keep another loss off the the chart, I think they'll they'll make it at least a, you know as the number four, you know, Ohio State. If they win out, probably overtaking some number three on strength of schedule. But you know, but they'll make it. But you know, for this game, like I said, there was some thrills and spills. I think one thing that um, also kind of means that we're going to talk down a little bit is because they're they're kind of better side of the ball is on the defence and everyone watches college football for points to be scored and offence and good quarterback play and things like that and you know they, they can put up some points but their side of the ball that wins them games is the defence you know they've got Kayvon Thibodeau who you know in this game got a couple of sacks um, and one player that I've just been massively massively high on this year is Verone McKinley the safety mm. another interception um, five for the season joint uh, top of the charts with five interceptions and, you know, he is a ball hawk. You know, he's got great hands. He can ball track. His interception that he got in this game was over the shoulder ball tracking it like it was a wide receiver, you know, coming and taking it away. It was a great, great catch. Um, and this is what they do. You know, they can create splash plays. They can turn the ball over and it gives them a bit of a chance. It gives them just enough of a chance. And then you've got the Pac-12 who obviously, like, teams will shoot themselves in the foot a little bit. And I just want to kind of talk about a play early on in the first half when Jaden Delora was kind of moseying rolling to his left and he was thinking, I really want to throw this ball, but there's no one really open, but I'm getting closer and closer to the sideline. So maybe I should try and score. And he was really tensive in the way he did it. And then he dived and uh, the, the Oregon station, I can't remember his name, um, number 19 he wears. Uh, he just came and knocked it out of his hand and it went you know, through the back of the end zone for a fumble. Oregon <laughs> got the ball back. <laughs> you know, it's, this is what I mean, it's thrills and spills. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's a great it's a great play. You know, it's a heads up play to knock it out as he's kind of diving mm. for it. You know, on offense, like I said, they just about doing enough. They put up 38 in this game, which is, is a decent score, you know, to put up. And yeah. Anthony Brown isn't a great quarterback. You know, we're just talking about Pickett and Powell and all these other quarterbacks. Anthony Brown's about two levels below all those guys. <laughs> we're saying they're mid-round players. You know, but he's won nine games this season. You know, but 
he's got that athleticism. He almost had as many rushing yards as he did passing yards in this one. You know, and uh, he's getting the job done, though. You know, he's getting the job done. And this Oregon team who, you know, usually you think of Oregon, especially in the last few years, you know, just an Herbert Marcus Mariota, spread it out and throw it around. This Oregon team's built on the run on offense. You know, they've got Travis Dye. They did have CJ Vidal. Vidal's injuries managed to kind of bring in Byron Cardwell, the four-star running back freshman. He got two touchdowns in this game as well. So, you know, they're doing it in unconventional ways, in ways that aren't really pac 12 if that's a word. You know, it's not yeah. really the ways that you kind of see these teams do it, but they're doing it and they're getting there and they've got a really tough end to the season with Utah, uh, probably twice, given that they'll probably meet again in the Pac-12 championship. But yeah, these, these, guys are, these guys are hanging on and like I say, they should be given a lot more respect for it. I, yeah, but you're right. I've, the unpack 12 I think that's probably the best description <laughs> of them. Uh, do you see another? I see another loss for them, though. That's what worries me. Cause they, yeah, I do. They're prone to a slip up, aren't they? And, that's it. <laughs> this is always the way, isn't it? Like I said, they've got Utah next week. Utah will be well up for it. They'll want to crash the party. Yeah. Um, I think it's in Utah as well. So that's a tough road game. And then you've got the Oregon, Oregon State game to finish the season as well. And the Beavers yeah. are having a really good season as well. You know, it's the best season they've had in a long, long while. Um, you know, and that's obviously got the local rivalry kind of aspect to it as well, as well as, you know, they'll, they'll want to upset the party again. So, yeah, they, they, like I say, they probably will lose again. They probably won't make it. But for now, you know, when they're kind of hanging in there and getting these tough wins, I, I kind of, you know, rooting even harder for them. Yeah, yeah, you've, as a Pac-12 guy, you've got to, you're pinning everything on them. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You know, and, what you've got. Um, Anthony Brown. <laughs> Let's talk about, very quickly, Anthony Brown. Yeah, go for it. Well, when he was at Boston College, I've got some notes. And it's like, I've, I've starred his name and everything. I was marginally excited. And when he transferred to Oregon, I thought, this is perfect. What a way to showcase your skills in that kind of offense. Mm. And he lost, he didn't start, did he, last year? It was... No. Uh, Shock. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> no idea. Everyone struggles with it. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, oh, well, he's finished. And then this year, I mean, clearly he's not caught. He's not what I was hoping he was going to be. But he's, again, showing at least some leadership. He's leading a team of, you know, like I said, not a Pac 12 style team to a one loss at the moment. So mm. <laughs> <I mean>, now. <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of credit there for him for that. Um, how did, in this game, uh, how did Thibodeau do? Did he match up against Abe Lugas at all? Uh, his usual thought sort of thing where he kind of uh, mixed and match left and right. Um, I saw him, yeah, go against him a little bit, but not for the whole game. He, right. did, he, did, he did mix and match. I know you're a big fan. I am. Um, I love him. Thibodeau did get a couple of sacks. Um, I'm trying to think which side he was on for them. He was definitely on the the left tackle for one of them. His first sack where he came from the left. I can't remember the second one off the top of my head. Yeah. But he did he did he did switch. He wasn't completely yeah. on one side, as I say. There's a lot of I mean, I say a lot of talk. I hear I hear sort of things about are we bigging up Thibodeau because again are we clutching at straws now from a draft perspective? Are we building Thibodeau up as, as something greater than possibly is? I mean you see more of him than probably any of us do. Um, what do you think? Oh no, I think I think he's I think he's the real deal for the sure. Legit. I think, yeah, I think he really is. I think he really is. I think he's. And I was saying this. I went onto the draft punk pod uh, last week, and I was kind of talking about that this sort of thing as well. But I feel like he gets kind of knocked down a little bit because he's such a good run defender, mm-hmm. and it's not what people are you know used to seeing. I feel like. Everyone wants these splash plays, right? And the people who are kind of maybe not watching college football as much as we do, maybe. I don't mean that to sound, you know, arrogant or anything like that, but they want to see splash plays. They want to see nice touchdowns. They want to see running backs running, you know, 70 yards and scoring. They want to see someone running around the edge and, you know, taking a mm. QB's head off, you know. And it's the sort of thing that David Ajabo's been doing. Yeah. He gets sacks, right? He gets loads of sacks and people are like, oh my God, this is this is the guy. Do you know that? He also can play the run, and he's also doing the best help around him. You know, in terms of the, the defensive line, I think I said well, the Oregon defense is good, but there's no over five thousand on the defensive line. Yeah, that's fair. So I, I, I really do think he's, you know, he is the real deal. I think from from my perspective, he's he's right up there. I think he would have gone 
high in the past. You know, I'm terrible for memory in terms of draft classes, but he would still have gone high in the, in the recent past. Um, is he Nick Bosa's level? You know, someone who went really, really high. Maybe not, but that's Nick Bosa. Is he yeah. Chase Young's level? Around that, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. Different player because he's he's so good against the run. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he's he's, he's the real deal. I don't think we've got a quarterback situation. I think we've got some real high end defensive prospects in this draft. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, we we did the edges, didn't we, for summer? And, we did. Uh, yeah. We both said that we were surprised by what a complete defensive end he was. Um, yeah. It certainly surprised me. Um, yeah, his run defending is, is criminally underrated, which does make him just a valuable, valuable asset. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's one of those, isn't it, where he, because the kind of edge rushers that you get coming out of college, they generally don't play the run that well. So people harp back to their most recent example of someone who did, which is Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, and then he gets tired with that. Oh, you know, Jadavian Clowney's not a great pass rusher; he's such a good run defender. That's therefore Thibodeau, and it's kind of two plus two equals sixteen kind of thing, you know. And it's association by kind of recent examples that people have seen, I guess. But it's sort of false, in my opinion. When we did the summer, I said you reminded me of Clowney. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from, yeah, it was from, not the, you're not the only person. Ah, uh, but like from just from the run defense, you, you knew he was a better yeah. pass rusher. Um, but it's that run defending that, that, that stood out. The same with mm. Hutchinson. That took us by surprise as well. I'm sure we'll talk about him as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> let's, uh, let's switch it up then. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about the Pac-12 probably for longer than anyone else wants to listen to it <laughs> apart from me. So, <laughs> um, yeah. What's your, what's your next game that you want to discuss? Uh, I took in Auburn, Mississippi State, which um, pr- primarily to watch Charles Cross, uh, the left tackle for... The Bulldogs, who's getting a lot of lot of hype. Um, mm. also Martin Emerson, the corner for them as well, and Roger McCreary of Auburn, the other corner. Mm. Uh, yeah, these are high rising players. Uh, but the game itself was just another one of these crazy games where I don't know, sort of a quarter and a half in, I'm I'm really thinking, what have I done? I'm watching a blowout. Um, I'm watching <laughs> Bonix. Look like a champion. I can't deal with this. Um, and then, like Mike Leach, <laughs> I don't know what Mike Leach is really, but he certainly is entertaining. And whatever he says to his players at halftime worked. I mean, they were twenty eight seven or yeah, I think it's twenty eight seven down at halftime. Yeah, Even worse than that. And they were unstoppable in the second half. They they got the ball out so much quicker. Uh, they had, then obviously they'd counted what Auburn were doing, and Auburn didn't have an answer to that, which is surprising. You know, um, a top SEC program couldn't readjust on the flyer, and that was really odd. Um, but in in Will Rogers, we've got a quarterback. It's air raid, so it's obviously inflated. But yeah, it's Mike Leach offense, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The the, the the ball is out hot. It's accurate. Uh, didn't see example of all three levels in the field, but it covers a lot of it. Um, in the first half, his receivers weren't making that many plays on the ball. The second half, they did. And he threw for about 500 yards and six touchdowns. I was saying ridiculous in the end. Uh, like I said, those numbers will always be inflated. You'd always carry a massive stat line. And obviously, mm. we're not stat scan here, but... He just seems an intelligent quarterback, um, an unflustered one. Even in the first half, he was getting hit and harassed. He always felt he was going to do something at some point, something spectacular, and he did. Um, and that's my first real look at him. And he's, I mean, he's not the biggest. It's sort of Matt Corral like without the running ability, if that makes sense. So not, yeah. not talking, not talking first three rounds probably as a draftable player, but just someone that's got a very intriguing skill set and, and, and certainly how. Yeah, I said he could make a lot of throws that I, I didn't realise he was making because uh, like I said, I he's barely been on my radar. Um, Charles Cross was as advertised. Um, he's, I mean, they throw so much that you have to, you've <laughs> got, got to be a technician at that left tackle, and he really is. I mean, he, you can see he's drilled as a technician. Um, mm. Don't see much of him in the run game because they don't run the ball. So it's sort of a 
from a, a draft perspective, you'd be projecting him. Um, but blimey, there's some serious tools there. I like, really like what you see from him. Uh, Emerson was... Uh, in that first half, he got picked on a little bit and it was the other corner, um, Emmanuel Forbes, that was playing better. Um, but Emerson, second half, yeah, actually the whole defence really, really, yeah, sort of, they clamped down. I mean, they got away with a lot as well. Actually, I'm trying. I'm thinking back now. There's, there's some. They let them play. Do you know what I mean? They really yeah, did let them yeah. play, and that always benefits the corners. Um, McCreary, though, in the second half, he made me. He made me nervous because in the first half, I was already billing him as, oh, am I going to put him into that second tier of corners now? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where he is at the moment, but he was. He's not in that second tier. Yeah, first off, I was thinking this is he's got everything looked really fluid. Um, but once they started opening up, they were picking on him as well. And mm. he was scared at the end. He was giving up so much as a cushion, and they just throwing little dinks in front of him and turning up field. He's missing tackles. He just the confidence was shot to pieces in the end. And that's not the kind. I mean, as a corner, you've got to have a short memory. Yeah, uh, I, he didn't in this game, and that's just a little bit. I, I, there's a lot of tools there. There's plenty to work with. There's lots to like. I, in that second half, I wouldn't show that to any scouts if I was in. I'll just bet that. <laughs> I, don't I, don't think, uh, I don't think Auburn want that second half shown to anyone. Really. They gave up 33 <laughs> points to six in the second half. So Yeah. Yeah, like you say, Rodgers. second half. <laughs> yeah. Um, just pulled up the Rodgers stat line as you, were, as you were talking through that. It's 415 yeah. yards and six touchdowns oh. with a... Uh, 55 attempts and 44 completions, so pretty handy. Yeah. It was incredible. Like I said, they are inflated by the way they played. But yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. You've still, you've still got to. There's still a degree of of of. He's got to be accurate to, to have that kind of completion percentage, and he was. Sure. It was. It was really surprising. But as a game again, just immense because at no point in that first half, and probably the first drive of the second half, when Mississippi State uh, Mississippi State score again, at no point am I thinking they're winning the game. Auburn at home, there's a load of juice in the crate. You, you know, yeah. like I said, Bo, Bo Nix is virtually a superman at this, which is incredible. <laughs> uh, but he was hitting everything, Bo Nix. It was like, oh my God, don't tell me we're going <laughs> to Bo Nix as QB1 now after this game. Um, uh, I wouldn't stand for that. No, <laughs> that, that's the time when we give up, right? We just say no. Yeah, no. yeah. But he actually got hurt. Bo Nix, to be fair, Bo Nix got hurt in the third quarter and played on for a lot of the 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 remainder of the game, he did come out towards the end. Uh, he got hurt and he battled through and he's a gutsy, he's a great college quarterback. I put him and Sean Clifford in the same pot where they're perfect for what their teams want to do. From an NFL perspective, that's not that's not what we want to see. Uh, yeah. Let's not cut it. But from a lead your team kind of thing, they've both got that sort of, I don't know, they've got an aura about them that, that raises the level of play to, to, for other others around them, I think, which is great for the college game. But um, yeah, as NFL draft prospects, no, it's a no for me. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. I obviously um, would throw the king of this is Sam Ellinger. Yes, I would say. Good, yeah. <laughs> because they, like you say, they they kind of they get the crowd going. They're leaders. They can make the odd wow play that, like I said, you I can't remember who you were talking about earlier on, but you were saying if that happened on a Sunday, it's not happening. You know, yeah. Nix is like that. Ellinger's like that. Clifford, there's you know, there's lots more. Um, like you say, they're perfect for this at this level on Saturday, but next next level, it's just not going to happen. No. But yeah, no, I completely understand exactly what you mean by that. A crazy SEC game, which really has, with the Knicks injury, Auburn always had a small sniff in the Iron Bowl, a small sniff because of the, yeah, of that kind of game. I don't think they have any sniff now without both yeah. Which sort of ruins that from the you know from a upset standpoint. I don't think we I don't think Alabama lose again until they get to the championship uh, the SEC title game, which will mm. be an immense game, which probably should be the national championship. Probably will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. Yeah, if they finish one and two. Yeah, yeah. Probably will be one it. Depends that depends how they want to kind of jig it. If Alabama lose the SEC championship and they've got two losses, then how does it kind of shake out with the top four? But they'll probably still make it. But yeah, if they have two losses, there's no way they could be two. Yeah, well, that's it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So unless they're three, then yeah. It's, if it's yeah. one and four, obviously, then it's a, a rematch again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, it, what you want is 
yeah, in an ideal world, you want one of them to be one and one of them to be four. So we just get one SEC team in that title game. Because just to, for some difference, I think. You know what, mate? It doesn't actually matter because George are going to win it all anyway, <laughs> aren't so it doesn't really matter. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll come on to them in a minute. I just want to ask you one, one uh, thing about Charles Cross because I, I think I said to you on Saturday, I think it was before the game kicked off, you mentioned that you were kind of trying to get eyes on him and I said, oh, I, you know, I was interested to hear your thoughts and obviously you've given them because um, I've heard lots of good things about him as well. But... Obviously, it comes with quite a big, like you say, caveat, as you kind of alluded to, with the Mike Leach offense. Mm. Does it kind of worry you when you think of the people like Andre Dillard? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because <laughs> yeah, obviously, you, you know, you've got that sort of like one-sidedness to that game. It's a very, um, well, it's a very imbalanced offense, isn't it? You know, yeah. you kind of know that for ninety percent of the time, you're just going to be pass blocking, which a little bit like what we were, um, a little bit like what we were saying earlier. With Thibodeau, it's kind of like most tackles come out and they could run players rather than mm. um, you know, rather than pass blockers. So you kind of come into the league with your refined side being the un- unpopular one or the, the one that's unusual. Yeah. Um, does that stand in good stead if you can kind of put it together as a run blocker? Or do, do, you, do you kind of see these guys... As you do the quarterback, you, know, you think back to like Minshew and Anthony Russo and people like that in the recent times with Mike Leach and think, well, they're kind of going to be limited and you know, they're may- maybe not going to put it together. How do you kind of see that happening with, with Cross? I was I was high on Dillard. I really liked Dillard and that's looking yeah, like a, same. a bad one. Yeah, so I, you do, you do, you're right. You want to see, um, if I'm seeing a left tackle as athletic and technically refined as he in pass pro, I'm already... I'm, I'm super excited. What that means in the run game, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, if you, it depends where he goes. If if you ended up, you know, going to a run heavy team, you, I mean, surely they wouldn't even pick him, would they? I, don't, I mean, the NFL teams are stupid, but they are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it could be really, really dumb. You can trade away your entire mortgage for an FCS quarterback at number three if you were really stupid. <laughs> for example, um, I'd. I'm worried about Cross from that point of view. Absolutely, yeah. The offense, the 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 similarities I see in Dillard because Dillard was, I felt, past pro ready. Um, yeah, just, I'd just didn't work. Um, we are talking at the moment. I see people talking in the top half of the first round, and he's only a redshirt sophomore, right? So, yeah, that you know, I think we've got to ease up a little bit on that. I, I, I like him, and I think potentially, yeah. He's a top five tackle in this class. I think there's some, I think there's some decent tackles as well. I think he's a first round guy. Um, if you're going to take him in the top ten, yeah, you don't want that going to 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 a big run heavy team. Mm-hmm. That would be a mistake, I think. Yeah, he's going to be in for a shock, isn't he? But um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll kind of again we'll shake that out. And it, like I say, redshirt freshman, uh, redshirt sophomore. Sorry, is he going to come out? Who knows? Maybe maybe not even going to come out this year. Maybe if uh, was, you know, yeah. If I, if I was him, I'd stay. I'd stay because um, you've got potentially be the the top technical prospect. Certainly going into the summer, you'd have mm. thought. Um, again, yeah, plus, plus five million. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> plus, you've got obviously Will Rogers himself is not draft eligible yet. So you no. know you could think, well, Mississippi State might be on for a decent year, and then you can have a nice year together in the SEC and things like that. So. Yeah. You know, because if he's then draft eligible and Will Rogers having a good year, who's left tackle or it's Charles Cross, and it's that kind of like by association thing, you get a little bit more attention and buzz and things like that. So, yeah, yeah we'll see, we'll see. But again, we'll, we'll come on to draft prospects in a in a few weeks' time, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Let's um, let's switch over into into the Big Ten, and I know we kind of want to talk about the Big Ten as, as a whole, but I'm just going to talk about uh, Ohio State for a little bit. Just I'll keep this one kind of short because we we spent a long old time on the first few games. But this offense is about as good as it gets in college football at the minute, isn't it? CJ Stroud has, you know, he had a tiny bit of a rocky start. Probably helped Oregon going back to early on, you know, in week two. But since then, he's been on fire. You know, he's super efficient. He threw five touchdowns um, this week, and he just looks untouchable. You know, and it, I suppose when you have Trayvon Henderson in the backfield next year, and Mayan Williams was in the backfield next to him as well. This week and got 117 yards. So Trayvon Henderson actually was the second best rusher, which is kind of unusual. And then you've got a wide receiver core of 
Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jingba. Like, I suppose you're gonna you're gonna put some production, aren't you? But this game for me was all about Stroud linking up with Garrett Wilson and both of those guys just looking like NFL players right now. Because I again, I mentioned I went on the Draft Punks podcast and they were asking me who's my wide receiver one and you know preseason and and in after summer scouting and watching a few guys, I thought Chris Olave was a better player, the guy that kind of got me excited a little bit. But this season has shown me to be maybe incorrect on that one. And Garrett Wilson, it's just. Like I say, he's just looking like the the best wide receiver in college football potentially, and one that has a real big chance if he continues to be the first one taken off the board. And he just showed like ridiculous body control, ridiculous route running, three touchdowns, ten catches, 126 yards. You know that's the stat line, but you can ignore the stat line. Just look at the kind of traits that he put on tape, and like I say, the body control, the speed, the athleticism, the the route running, the the nuanced route running as well. You know he's sending some Purdue corners and just making them look silly you know it's just it's just so good and then you know you've got the other two guys taking the attention as well as well and I'm really excited about uh Smith and Jigba he just looks fantastic in the slot and and this this Ohio State team and I know that people are kind of talking about the the defense and things like that but it doesn't matter when you can put up like 60 points a game it really doesn't matter you know you look back through their season and it's just high score after high score you know I know they don't keep the back door shut sometimes but you know, taking it from the start of the season, 45, th- uh, sorry, 28, 41, 59, 52, 66. Not a lot of teams can live with this sort of thing. You know what I mean? And that's that's not even getting to the recent weeks. And I know that, like I say, that they're, they're going to, like I say, leave the back door open and things like that. And, you know, if they play Georgia in the, in the either the college war final or even in the playoff, that they're going to come up against uh, the kind of, you know, classic offense versus defense matchup. But, like I say, this is this is an offense that is ticking at the minute, and like I say, I don't think many teams can live with them. Yeah, that's fair. right now. I want the winner of Alabama Georgia, assuming one of those makes the the, the national championship. I want them to play Ohio State because I, I, I think those three teams are in a little tier, sort of above the others. Yeah, Ohio, Ohio State right now. Yeah, that offense is it's intense, isn't it? It's you can't. There's three quality wide receivers. One of the best young running backs, well, the best young running back, young yeah. running back in yeah. college game. Uh, the tight ends are good. Love Rucker. Um, yeah, I like Rucker as well. Yeah. The offensive line. Look got some players nasty. as well. Yeah, big nasties there. And I am a big fan of that defense. Although, um, Second entries uh, and the linebackers, I like the front four. <laughs> 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 I'm retracting all of that. Actually, that defense is a little bit suspect. <laughs> um, but I think that matches up really well with Georgia. That'd be a really, really good game. Really good. It would. It would. Yeah. It will be. It will be a real it will be a real battle. You know, to, it's like I said before, it's a classic offense versus defense, isn't it? And yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be treated to see who comes out on top of that one. But, uh, you know, the Big Ten as a whole really is, is shaping up with this epic end of the season, isn't it? Obviously, you've got Michigan State and, and Michigan both in the running as well and whoever emerges victorious out of this is is you know as long as they don't beat each other up too much then they're in the running to be in the Pac-12 championship aren't they and Ohio State probably have the toughest running as they've got Michigan State this weekend then Michigan next weekend plus everything that that comes with as well and you know the other two don't have easy runnings either maybe Michigan have got Maryland which is probably the easiest game out of the rest of them and then uh, Michigan State's final game is at Penn State. So, again, against a, a big team, but maybe one that might be a little bit demoralised and, you know, thinking about the end of the season by that stage, whereas Michigan State will be going all out. But how do you kind of see these three teams kind of getting on with each other and, and who's going to kind of, like, take this title and or play each other in the Big Ten Championship game? I'd love to play for that and conference, aren't they? Sorry. Who's going to play each other in? Who's going to play, you know, someone in the West Side and beat the person in the West Side who comes out of it, play Iowa or Wisconsin? Yeah, I'd, I'd love Michigan State to, to to do some. Yeah, damage. rooting for the underdog a little bit, right? Yeah, um, they've been really surprising. Um, the Kenneth Walker story is brilliant. Um, that defense, though, I, that's not Ohio State. I think will we'll beat them comfortably. Um, I have a feeling. Horrible feeling that Michigan State lose their last two games and just kind of fizzles out a little bit. Yeah, I do. I hope it doesn't happen, but I think the biggest game will be the last one Ohio State Michigan. I think it'd be one of the biggest 
rivalry games they've had in a long, long, long time because I'm not a massive fan of Michigan. I don't, they're quite a dull watch, <laughs> to <Yeah>. be honest. <laughs> yeah. But again, um, they have a defense that's suffocating and they've got a chance to. They're one of the few defenses that could probably give Ohio State a little bit of trouble. Um, I don't they're know. At home. They're at home as well. Yeah, yeah that's what I mean. I, I, I could see that. Yeah, I could see it. It'd be a great game. It should be a great, great game. I don't think Ohio State have that all their own way. Um, as Penn State proved the other week against Ohio State, they pushed them. They pushed them really hard. Um, see the same in that game. I do think Ohio State win out, and I think ultimately they will yeah, be one of the top four teams in the playoff. Um, so, so you think, by saying that, do you think Ohio State win both of their remaining games and take the Big Ten against Iowa or Wisconsin or whoever? Yeah, I do, yeah. Uh, but it, it'll be a much sterner test than they've had last few weeks, for sure. Uh, mm. Purdue is meant to be a test. Let's face it, Purdue, the old spoiler makers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nice, like it. <laughs> I'll nick that. I can't claim it. Um, but <laughs> I expected a bit more from that, and, and that fell a little bit flat. So a higher state really hitting their stride. Mm. Nebraska get a little bit too close to them the other week. Um so that defense can, yeah, like you said, they never completely shut a door on a team. Um, I just don't see Michigan and Michigan State having the firepower to do that. If Michigan State make it a really short game, if they pound Kenneth Walker and, and, and keep that offense off the field, they've got a chance. I just don't. I want that's what I want to see. I want to see a bit of drama. I want to see a little bit of um, <laughs> yeah. They said the underdog. Love this. Yeah, love the sparks to do something, but. I can't. I see the opposite happening. I see them fizzling out, and it all coming down to that big game at the end between Ohio State and Michigan. And whoever yeah. wins that, whoever represents the other half, because it's Iowa, Wisconsin. Uh, Iowa fizzled out. Wisconsin would, would always play a team tough usually. So, uh, yeah, the Big Ten champions will be one from the others. You were saying obviously about Michigan being a dull team. I'm just just thinking ahead ever so slightly to a Wisconsin uh, Michigan Big Ten championship and. I'm not watching the amount, of, the amount of passing yards might, might be in double figures for both like both teams. So we uh, probably drink more beers in that night than they have net passing <laughs> Yeah, probably. Probably. But let's let's take it back just, uh, you know a week before that to the, the final game of the season between Michigan and, and Ohio State. Hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing Ajabo and Hutchinson and, and like you say, the, the whole Michigan defense as a whole, really. But you know, you just mentioned the Ohio State offensive line, but these two pass rushers are having the, the seasons of the lives, really, aren't they? And, you know, Hutchinson's putting it all together after injury problems. The Jarbo's burst onto the scene. And it's going to be a bit of a test, isn't it, for the likes of uh, Nicholas Petit-Frere and Tyler Mumford and th- people like that who are, who are having a good season themselves and looking to place themselves in the you know the upper throws of the, the draft class. Yeah, I, I was really shocked at the start of the season when they switched Mumford inside to mm. guard. Yeah. The teeth out there. I, was, I was shocked because... I thought Petit Freire played very well at right tackle. Mark Mumford was a, a good, honest left tackle, battle-tested, decent. Yeah. Um, so that was shocking. But obviously got it right because they wanted to put Dewan Jones in at right tackle. That was, I think, the key to this. They knew they had this behemoth ready to go. And I just felt that Petit Freire was, was the better tackle, move Mumford inside to go, and they didn't sort of miss anything. I think Mumford's been good at guard. Um, but I, at the Penn State game, that Ebiketti absolutely destroyed Petit Frere and you get the feeling that he can be susceptible so Hutchinson and Ajabo yeah they might feast a little bit it will be, be it will be a fantastic matchup the backstory to David Ajabo also is massive obviously yeah um, he's virtually one of ours so we're going to claim him right <laughs> just he just just about lay claims for him yeah just about yeah I mean, I've, ne- I've never been to Aberdeen but uh, yeah it's, <laughs> I probably never will but yeah I'm going to claim him um I don't want him to come out this year. I don't because I no, think I don't. Be I don't either. No, I think he could dominate next year and just be an absolute stud if he can go back and not be tempted. Um, but if you're going to get you know top ten buzzes, which they're saying, which again, uh, well, it's me. It's it's um, Owe again, you know. But with production, I suppose. Um, yeah, that's a good. That's a really good comparison. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. It worries me because it's a really good edge class as well. Yeah, as we as we've kind of discussed earlier on in the year, and there's a lot of guys. I know he's had a great season, and like I say, he's getting a lot of production, he's getting a lot of buzz. And you know, every time I wake up on a Sunday morning, I'm waking up to David Ajabo highlight clips. Yeah, and 
you know, he could maybe maximise his draft standing, but, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go in the middle of the first round or do you want to potentially go number one? Yeah, honestly, yeah. I, I, I so hope he goes back. His arms are so long. He ties his shoes up standing up. He's <laughs> unbelievably... He's just one of those sort of freaks that... It's not even been started to mould yet and we're getting this production. I said it's yeah. O-Way with production. That's yes, And he went at the back end of the first round. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mistakenly, I think. But... Um, was in you know, too high or too low? I don't know if we've discussed this before. I wasn't a fan. No, I wasn't you, a fan either. No, you, you're basically just taking someone on on what you th- a massive production uh, projection rather. Um, well, it's the right I, team. I was going to say if, a team like that at the bottom of the first round, I, I don't wasn't many needs to fill, so you can take the high upside player. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Tryon was another one that I don't think should have gone in the first round last year. No, I wasn't a fan either. <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think we're we're from the same age cut here, aren't we? Um, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I say, we'll, we'll we'll see how the the Big Ten shakes itself out. It's a, it's a real intriguing one because obviously if they slip up or they beat each other up, then it lets other teams in. Mm. Obviously, we're all rooting for Cincinnati, um, mm. and obviously, you know, a lot of people are, um, yeah. you know, no more so than Kieran in our team, but. Uh, you know, we've, we've obviously got an interesting situation in the Big 12 as well. I know we're going to come on to this a little bit later on. I know we've got one more proper game to talk about, but Big 12 is shaping up to be a real, like, uh, yeah, another really interesting end to the season, isn't it? As well, with Oklahoma State coming mm. up on the rails, um, obviously, you know, putting TCU to the sword on the, on the weekend. Yeah. Oklahoma's slipping up against Baylor, who, again, themselves have had a nice season. Again, what, 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 do, you, what do you reckon to, to this end of the season in the Big 12 and how do you think that's going to shake out as well? The Baylor beating Oklahoma has really flung this open because yeah. they obviously have a win over the Sooners now. Um, Oklahoma State beat Baylor earlier in the year. We've got Bedlam in two weeks. If Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma, you've got this horrible triangle of teams that, that sort of <laughs> beating each other. It's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Um, and then, a big, and then a Bedlam uh, Big 12 Championship as well to, to kind of that, cement yes, it that, or for Oklahoma to ruin the party almost. If yeah, so the, the, yeah, there'd, there'd be a repeat game, wouldn't it, the week after. So, God, you know, you've got to go through all that again. Um, <laughs> the emotion of all that as well. They put yeah. so much into that as well. <laughs> the thing is, out of the three teams, I've, I've watched Baylor the most this year and I really like Baylor. Um, I really like Baylor. I think they're... They've had a couple of really stupid losses. They lost to TCU the other week. Yeah. After after a massive emotional win um, against Texas and, and and playing really well in that game, they then had the classic letdown game the week after. And we've seen how bad TCU are because Oklahoma State have just smashed them out of the park. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of an unpredictable Baylor side. I think on their day, Baylor, as they proved this week by beating Oklahoma, I think they could go and beat pretty much anyone. They played Oklahoma State really, really close. Um, yeah. Early no, in the season, game, so. Yeah, it was a good game. I, I, yeah, there's lots of nice things about Baylor, but I think ultimately it will come down to we'll probably have Bedlam and then yeah, Bedlam part two for the the title game. Mm. If Oklahoma State win both of those games, they have to be in, right? They have to have be in to... the conversation at least for sure, because okay. I think that you know as we, we were talking about this just before we got started, and it will require the Big Ten to beat themselves up, an Oregon loss, maybe a Cincinnati loss. But if all that falls in their favour, then, yeah, they could come right from the outside and mm. and maybe sneak into the fourth spot. Might include a bit of a Notre Dame loss as well some, at some point. But Yeah, I, I think with Cincinnati, they've already... The, the committee are desperate not to put them in, right? So a yeah. one-loss Oklahoma State team probably gets in above a, 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 an undefeated Cincinnati team. Probably, especially with two Oklahoma wins on the resume. Yeah. And Oklahoma, as much as they're probably going to drop after this loss on the weekend against Baylor. Hmm. Because like we were talking about, weren't we? Oklahoma just don't feel like a 9-1 team with all the so. tumultuous quarterback situation and they've not played to their level and what they were expected to. So I think maybe expectations were a little bit high, but they've not lived up to it at all, like anywhere close. And to be nine and one after all that, and the emotion that we've kind of all gone on with with Oklahoma and how we feel about them it just feels a bit strange. They're not, yeah. I don't think they're a real nine and one. They're not. They should have lost to Texas. 
Um, I, I watched them against Kansas the other day. They were lucky to get out of that. Kansas. <laughs> I know Kansas has just beat Texas, but Kansas. This is not a. This is not a great Oklahoma side. It should be, but it's not. So it's, it's not right there. Um, yeah. I just don't know. The Oklahoma State offense, I mean, I know they put up a bucket load of points this week, but I'm not all, I don't understand Spencer Sanders at all. I'm not, I'm not feeling that. Um, yeah, no, same. I, I, they've got a good offensive line, but the skill positions are just a little bit, uh, you know, there's no defense staff is power good. there, is there? Yeah. There isn't. There's no, there's no draw. Good. Defense mm. is good. Defense is really good. Um, and that's, I guess that's what will beat an Oklahoma twice. They're going to have to be. Um, but this, yeah, it, it feels fraudulent that, that Oklahoma are nine and one. I really hope, yeah, I really hope Oklahoma do not win two of those, you know, those two games if that's what happens. Because depending on other results and other stuff, they've got a chance to sniff back into the playoff, and I don't think we need them in there. They're not one of the top four sides, even if they were to beat Oklahoma State twice. They're not one of the top four sides for me. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I was just thinking, obviously, as you were talking about Baylor's last last comment about this uh, this conference, one of the uh, Bo Nix type quarterbacks that we were talking about earlier, Jerry Bohannon, I think fits yeah. that mould as well. Yeah, that's fair. I, I do like him. I think I like him more than Bo Nix, but he's <laughs> he's not got Sunday skills now. No, I don't think so. But a fun a fun watch, nonetheless. Absolutely, yeah. So then, Keith, we've got one more game, and you're going to talk talk to us about George Tennessee. Yeah, I'll, I'll make this brief because this <laughs> this was this was one of those one-sided. where I wanted yeah I wanted to I wanted to watch Hendon Hooker because I've I've got a soft spot for Hendon Hooker and uh, the first play uh, he overthrows the wide yeah, receiver start, by yeah. yeah it's like you can't do that mate he can't he's got no touch everything is a missile everything is as, as hard as you can he's. I so want to like him, and I will always hold a candle for him to be something. But I don't think, ultimately, I don't think he is. Uh, and they missed that. Yeah, they missed that shot. Um, they kept it close. The first, you know, the first quarter was a. Was a I was sitting there thinking, <laughs> better than yeah, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but the first quarter, I'm thinking, am I watching something here? Because they were moving the ball um, relatively well, and the defense was playing well, and then it just. I don't know. It's just like um, I've compared it to uh, offering a sacrifice to the gods in a little write up I've been doing. Uh, like Tennessee were this week sacrificed to the Georgia gods. Um, they just sort of dismantled them methodically um, without ever hitting a stride. James Cook in this game was immense. Uh, mm. We've got to shout out Raji because I think Raji is turning into some kind of running back guru. Um, we. <laughs> We might have to sign him to a deal or something, and and because he's got some running back people he likes that I'm liking a lot. Rashad White was earlier in the year. James Cook is is a similar kind of player. Mm. Um, he was immense in this game. I think he had about almost 150 yards total offense. He was because he's he's got to sit behind Zamir White. This it's a committee with Georgia. They've got three four running backs that they can yeah. throw in there all the time. So it's a classic case with these running backs that they will always be better in the NFL than they were in college. Uh, it's just a fact, isn't it? Um, James, I mean, obviously he's Dalvin's brother. He's not. He's like <laughs> he's like a skinny Dalvin. Do you know what I mean? Dalvin must have got the dinners in that house because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> James looks a little bit skinny, um, but he's got some moves. He catch. He's a free down player because he yeah, pass protects. He, is, he yeah. does everything. Um, they're so valuable. And if that oh, um, Iowa State kid that I can't pronounce who went in the third round last year. Kenny, someone. Kenny and Wangwu. That do. Um, if he can go there, James Cook is level above that. Um, he was really, really impressive. They'd lost um, the usual left tackle. Tackle um, Salia was out, so what they do is they just thrust, thrust, uh, thrust in a red shirt freshman left tackle who just bust it. I mean, oh, I forget what his name is now. Saying simple, Broderick Jones, I think, or Roderick Jones. Just plus, it looks, yeah, I'm sure he's a five star. I haven't checked him out. He's probably a five star, but my God, we've got a, fr- a freshman just moving gracefully on, the, on protecting an edge. Um, it's beautiful. Uh, that offense is so simplistic yet effective. And, you know, 
they've got three Titans that are going to play in the NFL. At the moment, they don't have any real star wide receivers. They don't care. Doesn't they? Don't need them. Uh, yeah. And then we get imagine we George get to, picking. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's such a shame because I mean, he's another one that hope doesn't declare. Um, yeah, he's got what doesn't he improve it. And, yeah, I think so, he's going next year. He's going to get lost in this again. You know. Just, just for unfortunate circumstance, come back and prove yourself, mate. And, and, and yeah, you have got a chance to be wide receiver one. But that defense is just different. It's a different level, mate. It's, it's suffocating. They are unbelievable. They've got first round picks all over the place. Yeah. Now, the, Jordan Davis left the game halfway with a bit of an injury. Um, uh, Carter left as well, so it left Devontae Wyatt in there to play the whole game. He went down numerous times. We had to keep going back in there because they ran out of bodies. <laughs> Wyatt was immense. I'm a, such a Devontae Wyatt fan. Um, like Jordan Davis has really impressed me this year. He's, I think we were both quite low on him, weren't we, in the summer? I just felt I have this horrible habit of watching a bad bad game of, of, of one prospect and that just sticks in my mind. I can't move it. It was against Alabama for Jordan Davis. And I just watched him get moved about. But as someone said to me recently, if, if you've got five great bits of tape and you've got your harking on about this one bad one, there could have been any circumstances leading up to that bit of tape. You know, someone might have died. It might have been yeah, not sure. feeling great that day. It's so many circumstances. You don't know. go with the majority of what you're watching. Um, so I'm going to take that back about Jordan Davis. The man is, is a monstrous size, moves like someone that's not 350-odd pounds. He's unbelievable. But for me, Devontae Wyatt is still... I'm going to say he's still a better player right now. The ceiling for Jordan Davis is, you know, fantastic. And obviously the yeah. potential was there. Uh, but for me, I, I just, I'm all in on Devontae Why I love him. But the Kobe team was brilliant. Channing Tindall, the other linebackers. You've got the uh, Darren Kendrick, a corner playing out of his skin. Lewis Seen, a safety. These are all probable first round picks. I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about Seaton as well, because I think you've mentioned mm. in the past, what did you think of him? I've not had eyes on him yet, apart from you know, watching a game, I've not watched any tapes that's dedicated you know, particularly to him. But what, what, what do you see with him? Uh, he's, so he's your typical um, centre fielder. He wants to smash you every time, and that's, that's the downfall possibly. He's the one that knocked out Cole Pitts, of course, last year. Yeah. Um, where he gets up, his helmet's off, and he can't even walk properly. That's how hard he's hitting. It's ridiculous. Uh, but this year, he seems to be more making plays on the ball, which certainly was the knock on him last year. It was just like a sort of a, a missile firing himself around. He seems a lot more refined this year. Um, some playmaking aspect to him. He's another one that I'd love to see come back and, and just cement yourself. But again, he probably doesn't have to. He's probably a first-round safety, although this is looking like a very nice safety class. Uh, mm. But, he's, but yeah, he's more headhunter than, than playmaker still. Um, okay. But I kind of like them. <laughs> <laughs> they they kind of infuriate me a little bit because instead of actually making a tackle, they want to knock someone's socks off too much and they end up missing yeah. a lot of tackles. So it's kind of one of my pet peeves, actually, with safeties. But like you say, I mean, we can talk about a couple of these guys because obviously they are so revered at the moment as a defence that they're kind of going to be mm. able to come out and maximise their potential, whereas... It's hard work, isn't it, to go back and do it all again when all your mates have left? So, yes, yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah I, I would see them all go. They'll probably all go. Um, and you can't blame them because Georgia will just reload. They'll deal with their new ones. Mm, yeah. And part of that reload, again, as you were speaking, I looked up Broderick Jones and he is a five star. Yeah. Is he? yeah the, number two, the number two um, tackle in the class of. Uh, 2008, no, 2020. Sorry, he committed in 2018. Yeah, the 2020 number two tackle went to Georgia with a five star. So, like you say, that reload has already started. That number one tackle in that class must be bloody brilliant. Then <laughs> <laughs> I've actually just paused the page, but maybe I'll check that out again in a minute. Let's edit this out and let's have a look who it is. It is a guy who I actually even heard of as of yet, Parrish Johnson Jr., who's gone to Ohio State. And ah. uh, George did get the number three tackle as well, who was a four star. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely began. You sound like so, you knew who Paris Johnson was then. I do. Paris Johnson is playing guard for Ohio State at the moment. Oh, he is starting then. Okay. Yeah. I've just not come across him in the yeah. commentary or anything like that that I've watched. So interesting, but obviously one to watch in a couple of years. They're obviously good, yeah. 
yeah, <laughs> for starting. As a, <laughs> what, he, what would he be a redshirt freshman as well? So yeah. yeah, he must be must be pretty decent. That's a good class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, are there any other games that you kind of want to shout out? I know we've kind of come to the end of our list. We've kind of talked about our talking points of the Big Ten and Big Twelve. Any other any other games that kind of tickled your fancy this week and little talking points that you want to kind of shout out? I'll just emphasise that Kansas beat Texas, which <laughs> I was still astonished by. Because um, Texas are so bad and they've got no right being that bad. The, the talent on that field is is immense. I think they've got, you know, it's one of your classic, write the names down on the sheet. It's like, well, I'm not replacing many of those. Um, but Kansas beat them. They're not a team. They're just not a team. Um, Texas Tech beat Iowa State with a on a seven-mile-long field goal at the end, which is incredible. The kicker goes absolutely nuts. Oh, you think he's going to, he might have a heart attack or something. It's like, calm down, fella. Just enjoy the moment, but crikey. <laughs> I fear for your safety. Um, and I, I did love I the way... you've done it before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just give it a little nod. Do you know what I mean? I do this every day in practice. He didn't. He did the old fucking windmills and ah, running around <laughs> like a lunatic. Um, but again... That's what I would do probably in that situation. <laughs> and I love the fact Baylor stormed the field uh, when they beat Oklahoma. It was a massive disagreement. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. it was like, yeah, yeah. It was like Norwich invading a pitch. I mean, it's just green and yellow everywhere. It's uh, quite a sight. Uh, yeah, it was a big one. Yeah. To be honest, I'm looking forward. I'm already looking ahead, really, rather than looking back. But the, some of the games this week are, are enticing. Um, which ones are you looking forward to in particular? Well, uh, there's one, and I've circled this a few weeks ago, and since since I said SMU were good, they've not been good, so I've cursed <laughs> them. Um, but SMU's offence is still, I think they're still, it's going to give Cincinnati, that Cincinnati defence, this is going to be their biggest test offence, you know, offence they're going to face. This might be, and I don't want this to happen, because if Cincinnati lose a game, this is obviously all over. Yeah, um, but I, I I circled this a few weeks ago, and I do feel this could be this could be a tricky one. I, I do like SMU how they play, so it'd be bittersweet. Do you know what I mean if they were to win? But I, I fancy that to happen. Mm. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really interesting game. Obviously, we're kind of looking at these top four or five teams. Well, maybe not the top two, but you may be thinking three, four, five, six, seven downwards. You know, and you're thinking. Mm. If any of these slip up, then that could be terminal for their their chances at the Absolutely. playoff. So yeah, no one to watch. Absolutely, one to watch for me. Apart from the the aforementioned Utah uh, Oregon game, is Clemson Wake because <laughs> yeah, it's obviously you know a big table uh, top of the table class. Obviously, Clemson quietly have put together quite a few wins after we were <laughs> kind of very down on them, but they are um, second round Wake Forest in the Atlantic side of that conference. I mean, obviously, it's insurmountable now. Wake are pretty much, you know, they're going to win one of the last two. But it would be, it'd really put a big rubber stamp on Clemson's season and say this was an absolute failure from start to finish. I know they've, they've won seven games now, so it's not a horrific record, but it is for Clemson. You know, and if, if Wake yeah. beat them, then it's just an absolute write-off, isn't it? And it just kind of, it'll be a black mark on the names of a lot of their players moving forward, I think, this season. And I think to not win the... You know, not even to get to the championship game, I think will be a big one. I think if Wake can do it, it's, it's a it's a really interesting one. I think, and it conversely on the other side that it gives Wake a big boost and mm. kind of they're the team that kind of won the division with Clemson the division beat Clemson, you know, in the late season and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's one to watch. I think for kind of underrated reasons, I feel. Yeah, I can't I can't have Clemson in a ACC title game. That that, that would be rude. I think. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> After and, this and season, for, for sure. Yeah, and very undeserved. I know, yeah, they've won seven games, whatever, but the, the combined points of that isn't much. They've been no. squeaking these games and they're not looking good. Um, no, I, yeah, you're right. I absolutely want Wake Forest to dig them up. Um, I hope they do. <laughs> well, Wake have got, Wake have got uh, Clemson and Boston College, so they should be able to win one of those. One of those and that'll mean that they're in the ACC Championship probably against Pitt. So... Be interesting yeah, be to see if game. they can put it together and, and and win it with the you know the first one and, and cement the place as you know in that championship game against Clemson. Obviously, absolutely boss that conference. Usually, usually, yeah, it'd be nice when it's for a change. And Wake Forest Pitt would be a that'd be a really good game. That would be a good it'd game. be a lot of points. Yeah, it would be a lot. <laughs> There'd be a yeah. lot of points in that one. I think for sure. 
Right then. So I think we've, we've kind of come to the end of the podcast. So Keith, is there anything that you're kind of lining up, um, any players that you line up for your uh, weekly edition of your scouting notes or anything like that? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go through the three games I've just discussed here. I should be picking out the players we've probably just discussed here a little <laughs> bit. Um, but um, yeah, the, the yeah, it, it, the scouting notes has been. Um, I've been trying not to pick the the top prospects and sort of mm. pick these um, middling to late round possibilities just to sort of put them out there, really. Um, but sometimes you can't help yourself. And I did put Nakobe Dean in a few weeks ago. I put Zion Johnson in last week because these are players that I feel are still a little bit underrated anyway. Uh, there's one more this week that will be going in that's potential first round, probably second round. But yeah, the majority of these have been later round guys. And it's been fun. I, I do, yeah, enjoy putting these out. Um, yeah, I'm really looking, I'm, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward right. to getting, 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 I'm looking forward to getting to the, the, the draft cycle getting all started for me the the most exciting part is when we get that um declaration deadline and we actually Mm. know what the draft class is because it's all speculation up until then once you get that finalized that's when you can get really starting to sort i'm I'm not a fan of mock drafts at the best of times i would never dream of doing one before declarations and i wouldn't really dream of doing one until free agency is done because that screws everything over um but yeah, yeah, these are natural points, aren't they? Where it, it does mix it up a little bit. It's, it's a fun exercise, but yeah, I see what you mean. It's torturous, mate. It's no fun. It's torturous. <laughs> they do take a lot. Of, they take a lot of bloody work. Yeah, as well. yeah. But uh, yeah, no, um, yeah. Like I said, really looking forward to your next edition of Scouting Notes. And uh, yeah, we'll obviously scout, shout out uh, the winners and losers column, which came out earlier on today, Monday. So if you're over at fulltimeyards.com, go over to the college section and, and have a look at Andy and Jake's work there with the winners and losers and uh, we'll have obviously TV previews later in the week so yeah that kind of wraps us up for this one um, but yeah no, we'll be looking forward to the next uh, week of college football like I say really heating up now and uh, yeah we're kind of getting to the business end as we mentioned before so yeah we'll be right there with you for it and uh, yeah thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards Thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.